Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. I want to preach to you for a few minutes today on this subject. Stars and stripes forever. Stars and stripes forever. God bless you. You may be seated. God chose his George Washington in Abram. He called him out from his country and he said, if you will do what I ask you to do, this is what I will do for you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and I will cause you to be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, but I'll curse them that curse you. Today what I wanna do is I wanna show you what I believe is the connection between Israel, the United States, and the Christian church. They are all meant to be interwoven together. I am a strong supporter of Israel. I believe we owe them much. They are a part of my fabric and fiber. They are a part of our heritage. Jesus was not born an American. Jesus was born a Jew. And I remember the promise that I've just read to you that he will bless them that bless Israel and he will curse them that curse Israel. We owe Israel a lot. Now when we speak of Israel, we speak of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We speak of Moses and we speak of David. There are other great men, priests and prophets and prophetesses, but these are the ones that come to the first and the forefront. Abraham, because he is the father of the nation of Israel. Moses, because he is the deliverer of Israel. And David, because he is the greatest king that Israel ever had. The flag that you see today, the Israeli flag, is a talit. The talit is a shawl that is worn when the Jews pray. They put a shawl on and it's blue and white. It's white with blue stripes. And so the flag of Israel The flag of Israel is blue and white, and you'll notice in the middle is the star of David, their greatest king. Now Israel is a nation that has been a blessing to all the earth. It has had its enemies, but it has remained. In 1948, it became a nation again. 
It has had its trials and its tribulations, and Egypt was not the only nation that it was in bondage to. But it has always come out victorious. When it fought in 1967, in what was called the Six-Day War, they did not even have to fight on the Sabbath. Though they were outnumbered, outgunned, and outspent, they were victorious. God always keeps his promises. But Abraham had a son, and his son was named Isaac. And a time came in Abraham's life when God said, I want you to take your son, and I want you to go into the place that I will tell you of. He doesn't tell him where it is. He doesn't tell him how many days he will journey, but he will journey three days into the wilderness. When he finally comes to the spot, he tells the people that have come with him, you can't go any further, but I and the lad will go yonder and worship. He did not say anything about sacrificing his son like he had been told to do. There is no evidence that God ever spoke to Sarah and told her what he was about to do. He had to do what God asked him to do, and he minimized the information that was given to his wife and even to his servants, and eventually only told his own son. And when he took the knife to slay his son, that's when God spoke to him. Let me share this with you. This is not just an Old Testament story. This is a New Testament revelation. Isaac was in the prime of his life. He easily could have rose up against his father and said, you're not doing this to me. I don't know what you think you're doing and I don't know what you think God told you to do, but he was submissive. Did you know that the place where this sacrifice was to have taken place was called Mount Moriah and across the valley is called Mount Calvary. You can see one from the other, from the tops of both mountains. It's a shadow and it's a type because you see the old is in the new concealed and the new and the old is in the, no, excuse me, the new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. They are connected, okay? They are connected. And Jesus was, could have easily rose up and rejected what they were trying to do to him, but he did not. He gave his life. That process was finished. So when the knife was raised and Isaac would have been killed, God spoke and said, stop, now I know. And he told him to release the boy and gave him a ram in the thicket. But I wanna read just a portion of, of what else he said. This is verse uh, Genesis 22 and 15. The angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven and said, by myself have I sworn, said the Lord, for because you've done this thing and not withheld your son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee. In multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of thine enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations, there he goes back to nations again, of the earth be blessed because you have 
obeyed my voice. See how important obedience is, folks? Obeying what God asks you to do. Now, he referred to his seed as the stars of heaven and the sand of the seashore because the sand is the lowest thing on the face of the earth. And the stars are the, are the furthest thing away that we can see with our naked eyes. And both the sand and the stars are innumerable. There is no way that we could count. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity, even in northern Wisconsin, to be where there are no lights at night, except for the stars. And if there's no moon, the stars shine even brighter. And to look up into the heavenlies and see all the stars that you can see with your naked eye, if, if you can't be convinced that there's a God, after seeing something like that and, and thinking that an explosion of some kind caused it all, well then you just don't choose to believe. The stars. That's why, did, did you get the connection between the stars that are talked about in the Old Testament and the American flag with its 50 stars? There they are. One for each of the states. Stars. And he makes this promise. And then he has a son. Isaac has a son. So it's Abraham the father, Isaac is his son, and then he has a grandson, and that grandson's name is Jacob. And Jacob also has dreams and visions. And the son Jacob became what we call Israel. His name was changed because of his wrestling match with God, which we talked about last week. So Israel actually came from the name of Jacob, and Israel means power with God and power with men. Power with God and power with men. God wants us to have both. He wants us to have power with him and to also have, to have power with men. So Israel is the elect of God. You have to be born a Jew to be a Jew. You come, being a Jew means I have come from this country by birth. Aren't you glad to know that there's another nation, the only way you can get into it is by birth. And I'm not talking about the U.S. of A. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus said, except a man is born of the water or the spirit, and the spirit he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. We are born into our nations by birth, by birth. What a privilege it is to be born an American citizen. And some people were not born in this country. And all of these things that I'm talking about today have multiple meanings. You were not born a Christian. You were born a Gentile. Thank God for the new birth experience, the new birth experience that we can have. Let me share this with you as well. The New Testament nation. I wanna to talk to you about the New Testament nation. 
stars and stripes forever. uh, Revelations 22 and 16 says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the bright and the morning star. Jesus is our bright and morning star. He is the star of this show, folks. He is the star. Do you remember at his birth, what was it that led the shepherds? God has used stars and will continue to use stars. And and I'm hoping that you can make all of these connections. Do you know what Jesus wants to make out of you? A star. He wants to make, oh, I don't feel like a star, Pastor Kyle. I feel like a failure. I feel like a flop. I'm a nobody. That's what Satan wants you to believe. But Jesus said he was the light of the world. And then he said that you were the light of the world. What is he doing? He's turning you into a star for him. Because there's a lot of darkness in this world. And God expects you to star in it. I guess you're thinking with me today. He expects you to star in it. And the darker the night, the brighter the light. He hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous. When God, listen, I'm gonna throw this curveball at you. I'm just gonna try and get your attention today a little bit. In the first day of of creation, God said, let there be light. What was the light? It was not the sun, it was not the moon, it was not the stars, those were all created later. The light was the release of God's glory. He couldn't destroy anything because he hadn't created anything yet, but he could release his glory and said, let there be light, and he just opened himself up. When he returns in the fullness of his glory and in his brightness, the eyes will melt in men's sockets because of the glory of the Lord. That's why no man can see God in his full glory and live. We are like popsicles on a 90 degree day in heat and humidity. We can't stand it. It's too much for our humanness. But our God is the bright and the morning star. And when he gets inside of our lives, he should be shining through us to others. Take a look here in John chapter 1. He was in the world, John 1 and 10. The world was made by him. The world knew him not. Now watch here. This is very important that you get this. We're connecting the Old and the New Testaments. He came unto his own. Who was that? The Jews. And his own received him not. But, this is actually prophetic. But, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Here the new birth is already being talked about. We're not born just of the flesh. We're born of God. And the word 
was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word took on a human form. The word took on a human form. And Jesus imparted his word and his understanding to his disciples. Jesus chose 12. All of them were Jews. And Peter became their leader because of the revelation that he had in Matthew chapter 16. You can read about it. I think it's important that we do just for a moment. This is Matthew chapter 16 and verse 15. Who do you, whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It's a pretty neat tune, I don't know. So Peter has the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now only the Jews can be saved, right? That's what they believed. They were God's people. They were the elect. When the Messiah comes, he won't come as a German or an Irishman. He'll come as a Jew. He will deliver the Jews from the Romans and and any other enemies that they have. They're waiting for the Messiah. And yet when he appears, they don't receive him. They don't see him. They don't understand who he is until one day, one man has a revelation. And that revelation is, this is the one. This is the one that has come to redeem us. Do you know why the disciples were so upset with Jesus? Because he didn't establish his kingdom on the earth when he wanted, when they wanted him to. He wouldn't do it. That's what upset them. They wanted to rule. Even in Acts chapter two. Let's go over there to Acts chapter two. When the Holy Ghost is first poured out, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Let me stop here. How many of you want to have a Pentecost? How many of you want to be able to know that you can bring your friends to the house of God and the Spirit of God is not only going to touch them, but the Spirit of God is going to fill them and that their lives are going to be changed forever, just like yours was. What do we have to have before we have a Pentecost? We have to be in one accord and we have to be in one place. And we have to expect that God is going to keep the promise that he had made just as he did to the disciples. But if we scatter ourselves, if we don't come together, if we don't come in one accord, if we don't have faith, if we don't worship with all of our hearts, what can we expect? But they, it took them seven days apparently 
to get in one accord. They were already in one place. Sometimes we've just got to stay a little bit longer and pray through. But it does say, after that, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit was poured out and they spoke in a language they had never learned before. And there were, notice verse five here, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Jews in Jerusalem for the feast of Pentecost are seeing the Holy Spirit poured out for the very first time and they're confused. They don't understand. And they were all amazed, verse 12, and in doubt saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these are full of, men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. These are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour my spirit upon Jews only. Adults only. All flesh, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they will prophesy. A promise. And what does he refer to? The Old Testament. Because that's all they have. There is no New Testament at the time of this event. Everything that's taking place when we read it in the New Testament is a referral and a prophetic fulfillment of the Old Testament. For those of you that say, well, I'm a New Testament Christian and, and I don't pay any attention to the Old Testament, you're missing out on a lot. You don't have a strong foundation to build on. This foundation comes from the Old Testament. Jesus is a fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament wrote about, even his crucifixion. You home Bible study teachers that you, you share that scroll that says, here's the prophecy, here's where it came from in the Old Testament, here's where it's fulfilled in the New Testament. They both are connected, folks. They both are necessary. And Peter is the one that has the keys, right? Let, this is verse 36. Therefore, let the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Wow, that's, that's pretty strong words. That's fighting words, in my opinion. But when they heard this, instead of fighting it, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, who has the keys? 
Who's doing all the talking here? It's Peter. And watch what Peter says and how he uses his keys. Repent, which is the same thing that John the Baptist began his ministry with and the same thing that Jesus began his ministry with. Turn away from your sinful past. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why would I do that? For the remission of your sins. That's why you would do that. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then watch this. Here's an interesting statement. For the promises unto you and to your children and to those that are far off, you could say that that still is only a Jewish exclusive. But then he throws this on at the end and says, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And do you know that the Jews believed that this born again experience, this oneness revelation as to who Jesus is, was a Jews only exclusive doctrine. No Gentiles can be saved. They are completely excluded. You don't even talk to a Gentile. You don't eat with a Gentile. You don't go to a Gentile's house because we are the elect of God and God has come for us. But in Acts chapter 10, something happens that Peter cannot deny. And I, I'm, I'm going to talk you through it. You can read it on your own. Read the whole chapter. There's a man by the name of Cornelius there. He's a Roman centurion. Centurion means he's over 100 men. And he's a good man. He prays, he gives, he trains his family properly, he prays to God always. And an angel comes to him and says, hey, Cornelius, I can't tell you how to be saved, but I'll tell you who can. Go send for this guy named Peter, and he's at this guy's house. And, and so Cornelius says, oh, okay. And he gets a few of his men together, and he says, hey, here's your job. I want you to go find this man. His name is Peter. He lodges him by Simon, who's a tanner at the seaside. Go get him and bring him back. They said, yes, sir. That's what you want us to do. That's what we'll do. So they leave, and they go toward Peter. Now, it's lunchtime about 45 minutes from now, and Peter's up on a roof, and he's hungry, and he's waiting for lunch, and they ain't moving fast enough. And God lets down a sheet, and in that sheet are animals. But these animals are considered to be unclean to the Jews according to the Old Testament. And the voice says, Peter, kill the animals and eat them. And Peter said, no way. I'm a Jew. I know the law. I don't eat these kinds of animals. And the sheet goes up. Then it comes back down a second time. And God says, well, we'll try this again. And he says the same thing. And Peter says, no way. I'm not doing this. These are unclean animals. And the voice says, don't you dare 
call anything that I have cleansed unclean again. And Peter cannot figure this out. Because only the Jews can be saved. And then the voice says, and by the way, there's some guys down at the gate and they want you to go with them and I want you to go with them too. So you go with them and you doubt nothing. So he goes down and here's these Gentiles. And they, they, they tell the story of Cornelius and said, our master has beckoned you to come. And Peter remembers that the voice told him he was supposed to go. But he's afraid because he's gonna have to appear before this district board if he goes to a Gentile's house. I can't do this. So he gets a half a dozen Jews with him and says, hey, I gotta do what God tells me to do, but I want you to be my witness that I'm a reluctant goer. So they go with him and they get to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius, as soon as he sees him, now remember, he's a man of great authority. But as soon as he sees Peter, he falls down before him on his knees. He recognizes authority, spiritual authority in this case. And he recites to him what had happened in the vision and he says, and I brought all the people that I could bring. I brought all my relatives and all my friends and we've been waiting for you to get here. Now just tell us what we're supposed to do. I want you to see this in Acts chapter 10. I think this is about 34 or 35, somewhere in there. Here it is. 33 says, immediately therefore, this is Cornelius, I sent for you, you've done well that you're come. Now therefore, we're all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded, that sounds like a Roman centurion, of God. And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no, oh boy, respecter of persons, but in every nation, every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. He had a revelation. This was a Roman. These are the people that are causing so much trouble. These are the ones that are enforcing their will against the Jews. And yet Peter gets the revelation again. The Gentiles can be saved. They can be cleansed. They can have the same experience. And he continues to preach. And you can read it on your own. And then it says in verse 43, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, meaning the guys he brought with him, which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. Why? Because only the Jews can be saved. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How do you know they received the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues 
and magnify God. Then answered Peter, could any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? You've had the same experience. Pentecost has been revisited right here in your house this time instead of a temple. Do you know God can pour out his spirit in houses? In a Gentile's home? No, we gotta wait till we get to church. I think church is a great place and every chance you get, you ought to bring people with you to church. But I want you to know the spirit of God can move in your home. It can move in a Bible study. It can move in a prayer meeting. It can move in a meal. And anything can happen when the Spirit of God moves. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord to fulfill the same promise. Now, here's my point. Let me see if I can bring this to a conclusion. In the Old Testament, God said, to Abram, I'm gonna make of you a great nation and all the families of the earth will be blessed. In the New Testament, he starts with the Jews, but he goes beyond the Jews to the Gentiles and whosoever will may come. And then we come to America, the place where people want to be free and worship the way that they choose to worship. Thank God we still have this liberty of worship. Nobody's telling us we have to tone it down. Nobody's telling us how we have to worship in a subdued manner. You wanna run the aisles? You can run the aisles. Keep your eyes open, don't run into anybody. And don't do it just for show. But if the Spirit of God moves on you, you can do anything you want. Decently and in order. That's liberty and that's freedom. But here's, here's the last point that I need to make. You can live in America and not be free. What do you mean? I'm free. I can go anywhere I want. I can do anything I want. Really? I remember when I first came to a Pentecostal church and I realized I really wasn't free. I saw that they were able to lift their hands but I couldn't lift mine. I saw that they felt such great liberty that they could sing instead of mumble. I saw that when they prayed, they prayed in one accord. I hope we never get to a point where, the, where somebody stands behind a pulpit and says, let's pray, and he's the only one that prays. Is that one accord? Is that freedom and is that liberty? It's not. Thank God for the liberty that we have here. I pray we never take it for granted. I pray that we can stay focused on what it is that we're supposed to be doing. Freedom and liberty. I'm free to drink if I want to. I'm free to take drugs if I want to. I'm free to cheat on my wife if I want to. Yes, but it'll all lead to bondage. It'll all bring chains around your life. It'll destroy everything of great value, starting with your relationship with God, your marriage, your family, your friends, your reputation. He said, I was gonna make your name great. 
How can he do that if we're constantly shaming ourselves with the bondage of sin that Satan wants to bring on our lives? Thank God for Moses that led Israel from Egypt. Thank God for a George Washington and an, an Abraham Lincoln and a Ronald Reagan and whoever else might be one of your favorite presidents. But above all else, thank God for a savior who leaves his throne and comes to this earth and delivers himself as a ransom for your sins and lays down his life and sheds his blood. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed, who liberates us from our sins and from our bondages and from all of our addictions. I go to a church where people that are now cleansed used to be prostitutes, drug addicts, alcoholics, cursers of the name instead of praisers of the name. And, and anybody that looked at me before God got a hold of my life would have said, not that one, but what God has cleansed. Call that not common nor unclean. God can even use a donkey. Surely he can use a young man or a young woman, an old man or an old woman, a boy or a girl. Stars. God wants us to be his stars. And let me conclude with this. Thank God for the stripes on this flag. 13 colonies, outgunned, outpriced, underexperienced, but at great sacrifice, fought a revolutionary war and bought freedom. Thank God for that. But there's another side to these stripes. The stripes were on his back before they were ever on our flag. Did you hear me? And with his, with his stripes, we are healed. If you're here today, according to Isaiah 53 and five, his stripes, he purchased our healing. He purchased our salvation. He purchased our liberty. And you may not feel like you're a star right now. You might feel like a piece of sand, insignificant and an irritant to anybody that you get in their shoe. But God wants to make a star out of you. And if you would just come and give your life to him, the potter could make a star out of you. Let's stand together. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Well, I'm not too impressed with our nation right now. Don't judge our nation by a few. Don't judge a nation by CBS. ABC, NBC, or Fox News. There are knuckleheads all over the place. Some of them just want to get on camera. Don't fall into that. There are a lot of good people that love this nation. 
and still are willing to defend it and are defending it every day. Put your focus on what people that are doing the right thing, put your focus on them. A holy nation that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In time past, you were not a people, but now you're the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Jesus, thank you for making us, first of all and foremost, a part of your kingdom, a part of your nation. Thank you for the stripes that you took, the blood that you shed, the sacrifice that you made for my sins to redeem me. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit, which liberates me from all my vices, addictions, sins of both thoughts, words, or actions. Thank you for the great liberty for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Thank you for allowing us to live in this great nation, this nation that's still the land of the free and the home of the brave. Thank you for leading us, preparing us, Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.